Thank you, Lord, for peace, help, strength, redemption, everything, mercy. Thank you for healing. Thank you for the help that takes us to the next level. Everything we need, we find in your presence. Counsel, wisdom, direction. Thank you, Father. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's all in your presence, Father. We thank you for your manifest presence this morning. We thank you, Father, for the fact that we can, we can make it our habitation, make it our place that we live from and dwell in. We thank you for that great honor and that great privilege. Father, in your presence, we're safe. In your presence, there's deliverance and freedom from harassing spirits and torment of mind. And Father, in that place of peace and rest, we can find answers for the road ahead. We thank you for it. Father, in a dark world, in a world where dark, gross darkness is covering the earth, we thank you, Lord, light shines in our lives. Light shines in our path. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' holy, precious name. Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. How many of you just like to camp here for the rest of the service? <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just minister to him for another moment. Minister to him. Lift your hands and your voice. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your great presence and your wonderful, wonderful, wonderful presence. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks. We give you worship. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty, 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 mighty name. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Shikala masaki fereshki te frejekaya namandre zishaguta pafrejiki. Jesus, mighty, mighty, mighty name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Shikala maske fereshkishki frepaske te fereyakata patsapravishki. Semranganjakita pokradishki te fremuda kalamasakia te heshikitikitiki. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mishkataye. 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 Thank you, Father, for the next level. Thank you for the next level of spiritual development of the plan and purpose of God. In Jesus' mighty name. We praise you and thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name, the name, the name, the name, the name. Hallelujah. Mm, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> praise you, praise you, praise you, Lord Jesus. Mm.
Thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much, dear Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Mashtikie. Menzagurakusha. Ha 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 mashike epefrosoguyete paprinzangayete paprosokuye heheshakaha. Yes, we lift them up, Father. Moshtokuye Eli Makande. Yes, great manzagite ekura masande. Mercy, 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 mercy. What the devil meant to bring reproach on that church. We thank you the devil's plans are defeated in the name of Jesus. We stand with them. It'll not work. It'll not work. Ha, ha, ha. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for victory. 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 The reproaches of those that reproach them fell on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's substitution. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. That's all right. You don't have to know. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Manamashike te prasake, inamasake, mengrogoshte, pambrazuke, pafrasuke, pambrodushke, pambrodola, kampaske, shishikie. Sengrogoshte, pramasakaye, engrogoshte, pepperedzinke, shikite, kite, pekitikie. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. In times like these, don't get nervous. Just, just keep connected up with your heart, what God's doing in your spirit. Yes, Father, I, I, I see that, Father. Hamashikiye. 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 Hamrasukuye. Mamstakayete. Thank you, Jesus. I see that. I see that. I see that, Father. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mmm, my, my, my. What, 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 mashike? What do we do about it, Father? What do we do about it? 
Ah, mandikish kite kete prapasakaye, pambrosokuye, kinkara masakaye te kite, king de brogushe. Shike ne mangara tuje de brosushi, shishi, shishi, e prasakaye. Uh huh, yes, 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 yes. Spirit of God said, warn, warn this congregation to be ever watchful, ever watchful in the Spirit, especially over the next 18 months, watchful and alert to the strategies and devices of the enemy. Give yourself not to the things of the flesh, but give yourself, like Jesus said to the disciples in the garden, to watching and praying that you enter not into temptation. For the enemy's going about in this season of transition, seeking whom he can knock out, even some with death. So watch and be alert so that you have the strength and the spiritual wherewithal to stand firm against that which opposes you to, for the transition into the next phase must be brought to pass. And the laborers are few. So seek not say that in tongues and just know all the pressure all the temptation all the, the enemy's devices when it's all past You'll say, I'm so glad I didn't give up. I'm so glad I didn't give in. Yea, I'm so glad I didn't even say, Lord, I'm through. I'm ready to go on to heaven. <laughs> You'll be so glad. For the future is bright. Although the season, the near season, will be a time of testing. Yet the future on the other side is great, great glory. <laughs> so don't think. I don't know that this is a time that I want to go on anymore. I'm speaking to some of the senior citizens of the congregation. <laughs> For you're not done and he's not through with you. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I no more intended to say that than I intended to say I'm going to leave for Mars tomorrow morning. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You know, Paul said, I'm in a straight twixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Do you know you got a choice when you die? He said, what I shall choose, I what not. I don't know which one I'm going to choose yet. He was basically saying it wasn't up to God when he died. He said it was up to him. Don't mean we're going to live forever. You understand down here in the flesh, I mean. But, but there's things that temptations come temptations come. Brother Hagin said one time there was a lady, senior citizen in his congregation. She was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And she said, I think she was in her 80s or something like that. And she said, Brother Hagin, uh, I'm just ready to go on. He said, well, he said, uh, you know, healing's in your covenant. She said, I know, but I'm just ready to go on. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you get healed and then die? If you want to die, just get healed and then die. At least die with a good testimony. Yeah. 
She said, no, Brother Hagin. And Brother Hagin just worked with her, just kept on telling her what the word said. Finally, she got on board with him, got healed, and decided after she got healed, she didn't want to die anymore. You know, people want to die because it'd be easier to die. People are looking at me like maybe I don't, they don't know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm talking to some of you senior citizens. I don't, I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't, just never intended to say it. Three minutes before I said it. Two minutes before I said it. Didn't have any intended to say it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's easy to give up. I said it's easy to give up. Anybody can give up. That takes no spiritual strength. Takes no discipline. Takes no faith. Takes no prayer life. Takes no watching and praying. It's like growing a garden of weeds. You can sit in the house and do that. Just be lazy and do that. But we're not, we're not, we're not that kind, right? Amen. Just remember the Holy Ghost said it. You know, he gives you your answer before you even ask. That's what he said. Before you call, I'm going to answer. So he just answered somebody's question. Somebody in the next 18 months, more than one maybe, going to have to decide, what am I going to do? It doesn't mean you never will die. There'll come a time where you're done running your race. Amen. There's one person supposed to be here. They're not. I'll have to tell them in person. Maybe they're watching. Amen. Where are you at, Jen Jocelyn? (laughs) There you are. What are you going to do for the next 18 months? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amen. Nothing like the Holy Ghost just kind of reading your mail. <laughs> I think I'll preach over here today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Of course, you know, if somebody chooses to go on, there's nothing we can do about it. And where, where they're going is far better. Don't misunderstand me. But Paul said, I'm going to choose to stay because it's more needful for you. Amen. Amen. Some of you, some of you senior citizens, you make a great supply in the spirit to this congregation. Your prayer life and your, your supply in the spirit and how you, how you deal with things in the spirit. So... Amen. Until some of the younger whippersnappers can get up into that, you need to hang out a little bit longer. I've never said anything like this. I've been here 20 years and never said anything like this. But let's just take it. What do you say? Amen. Praise the Lord. And maybe, maybe even younger ones get attempted this next 18 months. We ain't doing it. It's none of the devil's business when we die. None of the devil's business when we die. No, none. It's between us and Jesus. Us and Jesus. Just tell the devil to get out of my business and get out of Jesus' business. You know, what would you think of me of every time... You and your wife want to sit down and have a confident, you know, you get away from the kids and you want to have a confidential conversation about your finances, about yeah. something that's just confidential. It's not, yeah. not anybody else's business. Yeah. What would you think of me trying to snoop into that every time? 
You'd think you need, you'd need to punch me in the nose. Some, that's a weird guy that wants to snoop into other people's business all the time. You're okay to say amen. That's weird. Well, why is the devil always snooping into your business, snooping into your business? It's none of his business. None of his business. Just get out of my business. You have nothing to do with when I die. You have nothing to do with the direction I go. I'm going the way of the word. I'm going the way of the word. Hallelujah. And then, then, and then leave a good testimony. And then if you want to die after that, fine. But at least leave a good testimony. Brother Hagin said that lady lived, I think she lived, what was it, another, I don't want to misquote something. I think it was another 10 years or something. But anyway, she lived quite a while, long after that, and she died without sickness and without disease. She just, she just went on to glory without any disease. See, that's a better way to go. That's a better testimony. Better testimony. Well, I don't even know why I'm saying it, but it's just important because <laughs> the Holy Ghost wanted to say it. Praise the Lord. So tell your neighbor, I already got my answer. Don't even need to pray about it. Amen. You know what I've noticed about things like this? At the time, they don't seem to make any sense. You go down the road a few months and everybody's going to be going, you remember when the Holy Ghost said? That's the way these things are. So I'm okay with you staring at me like I'm funny. I'm okay with that. Been here before. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about we just make the next 18 months and 18 months of counting it all joy? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Ha, 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 ha. Just get real good at laughing at the circumstances. Well, I, rebu I rebuke that. That's the devil saying tests and trials are come. No, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. But he said, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, my victory is your victory too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You say, is that regarding our lives personally, regarding the nation, regarding, I don't, what, what is it regarding? Well, the Lord hasn't said, but I just, I just have already decided what I'm going to do for the next 18 months. I'm going to count it all joy. Ha, ha, ha. Praise the Lord. All right. Did you bring your Bible this morning? Hold it up real high. Hold it up real high and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of God's Word. My mind is alert. My body's awake. My spirit is receptive. I will not be the same after what I hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. And uh, we're going to read verse, uh, well, we'll start maybe a little bit before verse number 7. But uh, got something on my heart here. It's, it's uh, 
A little bit along the lines of what we've been sharing for a couple of Sundays, I believe both the times it was a Sunday, uh, on oppression. Amen. We've been getting a lot of good feedback on this. People are getting some good help. Praise God. And, uh, you know, the reason I think this, this subject is something that everybody can sort of identify with. Not, I don't mean that identify like, you know, I'm oppressed, but I mean they've, everyone's probably encountered this. This isn't something that, you know, just maybe a few people outside. They, no, we've all had the devil come against our mind and our thought life. So um, we may as well just, you know, you can't, you might say, people say, well, I just wish the devil would leave me alone. Okay, come up here. We'll pray for you. Lord, just let him die right now. You know, just, that's the only way to get away from this stuff coming. That doesn't mean we have to live in oppression, but it does come. Only because we're in this world. Jesus said one reason you and I have tribulation is because we're in this world. What is that? John 16, 33, I believe. So uh, don't think it's strange concerning things that attack your mind sometimes. Don't think you're doing something wrong. Might mean you're doing something right. And uh, these things come because they, and Satan brings, this is one of his strategies, one of his devices. And uh, he seems to like this one, to attack people's minds, because it works so much. Uh, many people don't even recognize that it's him. They just think it's their thoughts and their thought life. But, but, and, and, and they, but there are sources of thoughts. Thoughts can come just from the natural realm because you, you see something and you have a thought. But thoughts can come from the spiritual realm. Thoughts can come from the Holy Ghost within your spirit. He lives in there and he can bring a thought to you. Amen. Uh, thoughts can come from outside. Remember the Bible said Satan's the prince of the power of the air. He's all around. He, he's out around us. That's not something to make us afraid. It's just something to, to be aware of. Um, and uh, those demon spirits, they'll, you know, make suggestions to your mind. Uh, but our mind is not the devil's playground. Amen. We're learning to capture, take, take thoughts captive Bring them into captivity, casting down imaginations. Remember, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Somebody say amen. amen. And then deal with these thoughts and answer them like Jesus. He answered in Luke 4 and said unto it. No man, you know, he, and he answered what Satan had said to him. So um, we want to see here in 1 Peter chapter number 5, this verse number 7. Uh, casting your care upon him, for he careth for you. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because, why? Your adversary. You know, there's someone, that word adversary means someone arrayed against you. Now, you know, you have to, God is gentle, God is kind, God is love, God is all those things, very gracious and everything. Uh, and so when you're in the throne room, you don't have to do battle with him. <laughs> but, but Satan is not kind, not gracious, not gentle. He's mean, he's a harasser, he's a tormentor. And uh, he's going to, you're going to have to deal with him. And you can't deal with him the way you fellowship with God. You have to deal with him very aggressively, very, very firmly. And that's not against people, but it's against the spirit in the spirit realm that's making suggestions. You remember the way Pastor Nancy was talking about Jesus when Peter spoke for Satan and Jesus wheeled around and said, he, backed, he turned his back and said, get behind me, Satan. It was not a suggestion. <laughs> it was bold. It was strong. And so you, you have to learn to do that. But he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, 
as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for somebody to devour. Let me tell you one thing he wants to devour, and that's your thought life. He wants to consume it. He wants your thoughts to be consumed with some sort of thought that he brings. It could be anything from condemnation to, uh, you know, suicide to uh, quitting to, uh, you know, just, just giving up, you know, doubting God, uh, suggestions of, you know, lack or just any kind of suggestion. There's a thousand things we could be talking about. But because your adversary, the devil's a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Apparently, he can't just devour anybody he walks up to because he's seeking whom he may. That implies some he may not. So don't think the devil's just all that and that he can just do anything he wants. He can't just do anything he wants. When he makes suggestions to your mind and says things like, you know, you're going to die before you're 50 or whatever, you know, just, you know, whatever suggestion he brings. You know, he, and he keeps hounding you with that. You should get a revelation one day and say, well, if he's, it, why does he keep hounding with me about, about that? Why doesn't he just do it? Because he can't. I said he can't. If he could, he would. But he has to get you to take his thought and, and, and in order for him to be able to do what he wants to do. You realize that? Otherwise, he would just do it. And not harass you about it. You understand? So uh, get a clue what he's doing. He's working on you, trying to get you to take his thought so that he can do what he wants to do. Um, So we find here, resist. notice he said, seeking whom he may devour. And so it tells us whom he may not devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Those who resist him, the Bible says in James, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But you don't have to wait for a being in a red pajama suit with a pitchfork and a tail before you go, oh, that's the devil. How many of you know he brings thoughts and suggestions to your mind? He brings other things, but he, that's the primary thing he brings. Whom <clears throat> resist steadfast in the faith. That's what Jesus did in Luke 4. He answered the suggestions of the enemy and, and cast those thoughts down. He, he spoke the word. Steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Many other translations say everybody goes through these things. That's, kind of, that's what he's talking about. <clears throat> so um, I wanted you to see that because I want to talk to you more about oppression, uh, oppression of the mind. And I wanted you to see there that the, the enemy's uh, looking for a way in. I wanted you to notice he's looking for somebody to devour. He's looking for a way into their life. How many of you know Jesus said, uh, Jesus said in John 14, and I don't recall the verse right now. I believe it might be verse 27, but it might be verse 30. It might be verse 33, <laughs> but somewhere right in there. Jesus said, the prince of this world cometh and he hath nothing in me. That's a good place to be when he comes. Good place to be when he got nothing in me. What does that mean, nothing in me? The Amplified, somebody find the Amplified for me. I want to make sure I quote it right. I might, might miss one if I don't hear it. Somebody here in the front row maybe. But the Amplified says, rather than nothing in me, he has nothing in common with me. Nothing in me belongs to him. Do you find it? Verse 30 maybe. Is it verse 30? Chapter 14, John 14, verse number 30. Let me read it in the Amplified. <clears throat> He said, I will not talk much with you, the prince of this world, evil genius, the ruler of the world comes, and he has no claim on me. Number one, no claim on me. Why? Why does he have no claim on me? Nothing in common with me. 
<coughs> he has nothing in common with me. He has, nothing in me belongs to him. How about a thought? I have not taken any of his thoughts. If I've not taken any of his thoughts, then he has nothing in me that belongs to him. <coughs> you realize if I took something, <coughs> a thought from him, now something in me belongs to him. And look at what the next, and he has no power over me. So if something in me belongs to him, then he has a claim on me because he has a claim on what belongs to him. And he has a claim on me because I'm the one responsible to determine whether I take what he brings. And so since I chose to take it, maybe consciously, maybe unconsciously, regardless, he has a claim on me because I'm a free moral agent. I took that by choice. So he has a claim on me. He has no claim on me, nothing in common with me, nothing in me belongs to him, and he has no power over me. How many of you know Satan? The Bible said uh, uh, he's seeking, here he's seeking whom he may devour in 1 Peter, but he also says, in, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 11, that Satan, lest Satan should get the advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Notice he doesn't have the advantage, he's got to get it. Jesus took his advantage away. Wake up this morning, smell the coffee, smell the word, smell something, because this is going to help us this morning. I should check up and see what I can learn about your life, but I'll just give it back. But nothing in me belongs to him, and he has no claim on me because of it. He has no power over me because of it. Nothing in me belongs to him. Nothing in me is common with him. You know, if I take one of his thoughts, I'm thinking something in common with him. So it's important that we not play games with this. People say, I don't know how the devil got in. You see people doing these mass shootings nowadays. Well, what's happening? What's happening? It is no mystery to me at all what's happening. The things people are entertaining in their mind because of the movies they're watching and the stuff they're entertaining. Satan's planting seeds in their mind. It did not start the day they pulled the trigger. It started long before that, whenever something in them belonged, something got into them that belonged to him. We got people walking our streets that are crazy. Their minds are partly controlled by the enemy. You remember the madman of Gadara? After the, remember that man was cutting himself with stones, Mark chapter number five and so forth. The Bible said after he was delivered, they came, of course, they ran into the city because you remember the pigs ran down the hill and they all got scared, ran into the city. Then they came back out and they saw the man who had been wild and crazy and cutting himself and he was deranged. You know, you see deranged people today, he's, he's probably all that plus. I mean, there's 2,000 demons in that guy. So he's, he's messed up. But the Bible said when they came back, they saw him sitting and clothed. Now get this part. In his right mind. In his right mind. That's a big key right there. In his right mind. The devil wants your mind. It's your mind. It's not his mind. But he wants to get into it. Well, I'm a believer. He can't. Well, he can't get into your spirit. Come on. Yeah. 
because he, that's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. But he'll take as much ground, and even in a believer's yeah. life, as a yeah. believer will allow yeah. him. Right. And yeah. one area he's seeking to get into is people's thought life right. so that he can begin to oppress them. And if possible, take over their mind. There's degrees of this. But if he can take over their mind, or, or, or even it just starts by just making suggestions to their mind and they take the thought. Whenever that happens, then they'll begin to either act on that thought or speak that thought. Therefore, now he has, Satan has greater, uh, greater uh, influence in this realm. He gets people acting on his suggestions and talking his words. Somebody said, we need to pull down strongholds in the heavenlies so that stops. You don't have the right to, to remove Satan from the heavenlies. He's the God of this world. But you have, a right, you have the right to control your thought life. It's your mind, and that's your responsibility. The strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10, where he mentions pulling down strongholds, is between the ears. Now, we haven't talked about this for a while. You might say, I know all this, but, but, but how many of you know you can know it and still the enemy comes, he comes, he comes. And if, you don't, you're, if you're not sharp and you're not on your game, then he'll get some things in. He'll slip some things in. So uh, the enemy, he's going about, he's looking to take over people's thought lives. He wants to suggest things to them and get them to act on it. He's willing to work on you. Let me tell you, he's willing to work on you for decades. However long it takes. He's been around for a long time and decades are nothing to him. He'll work on somebody and work on somebody. They might not take it for a couple of decades, but he'll keep on working if they let him. If they let, nobody has to let him just harass them. But if they'll let him and then eventually if they just get worn down, he'll get it in. And uh, he, now he's, he's going to uh, move their life in a direction which was, it would not have gone because they took something in that belonged to him. And now he has power to direct things in their life. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. That's all free. So they're looking for a way in so they can oppress, demonize, depress people's minds and bodies, even Christians if they'll let him. Now, um, you don't have to let him because you have authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus in Luke 4 told you to say, answer it. Amen. Then Luke 6, I mean, uh, Mark, uh, excuse me, no Mark. Matthew 6 said, Jesus said several times, take no thought saying. Notice that. Take no thought. You can keep from taking thoughts. Well, I just can't help it. These thoughts are coming. Jesus said, don't take them. Well, I just can't. Okay, then we'll just have to tear that out of there and say Jesus lied because he's asking you to do something you can't do. I remember a pastor one time he was preaching. I think I did it here one time. And in order to illustrate the dramaticness of doing that, he had a piece of paper laying on his Bible. Everybody could see his Bible laying up here. And he was preaching along. He said, I guess Jesus lied about it. He just had a blank piece of paper laying in front of his Bible. Nobody could see it. I guess Jesus lied about it. We'll just tear that out. And he took that page and just ripped it. Everybody went, <laughs> He held up the paper. He said, I didn't rip the Bible, but that's what you're telling me to do. <laughs> that would get people's attention. Everybody snooze and will go, whoa, they'll wake up. Hallelujah. We're not trying to glorify the devil. Uh, but we can't act like he doesn't exist either. 
Amen. Amen. We can't be ignorant of the Bible and have success and be free in our minds either. We have to address this head on. Some people don't want to talk about this. But listen, you're not, brother, uh, actually, excuse me, Dr. Dufresne ministered to me. I was looking at it just, just yesterday. Uh, youth camp of 2011, he ministered to me and said, because of that preciseness of your teaching gift, you're going to have to teach on devils, demons, and how they act and how to be free from them. Yes, sir. And I thought, wow, I, I hadn't thought much about that. But, but that's something that just get, I get stirred on sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we're back on it. Anybody notice that Isaiah 60, verse number two is coming to pass? Yeah. Yes, sir. Gross darkness covering the earth. People are out of their heads. I didn't say you. I just said some people out there in culture, they're in la-la land. The Bible calls it in Romans chapter number one, a reprobate mind, reprobate mind. What does that mean? It's a a mind that is not sound in judgment. It's a mind that right is wrong and wrong is right. Up is down and down is up. Black is white and white is black. Everything's twisted. Good is evil and evil is good. You know, we're the enemy. We're bad people. We're haters, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they're the good people. It's just, it's just a twisted world. It's gross darkness. But he didn't say that. That wasn't the end of that verse. He said, the light shall shine on you. But we're living in a day of a dichotomy, a greater darkness in the world and greater light in the church. People are getting more and more confused in the world. They don't know what's right and wrong and so forth and so on. But, but it's, it's very clear and even more clear to the church all the time. Amen. So that's, we're living in this day right now. And uh, many, uh, much of the darkness is in people's thought lives. They are as confused and as fuzzy in their thinking about things as anybody, I, I, as, it's just the society has gotten crazier. I wouldn't have 15 years ago, I wouldn't have thought that America could be where we are right now. Some of the silliest things come out of people's mouths. Silliest things. We don't even need to get into it. We don't know what we're talking about. So he's after the minds of men. Amen. So that's his target. That's one of his targets, I should say. Somebody said he's after my finances, he's after this. Well, he's also after your thought life because he can't do anything anywhere else unless he gets you thinking wrong. He's got to get you, he's got to, get you to agree with him and, and, and have a thought that he's presented and accept that thought and believe that thought. Amen. And so um, you have an adversary. You don't have to treat him with respect, but you do need to treat him as if he's real. And you do need to treat him as if if you uh, give place to him, he will take ground. He'll take all the ground that we can give him or that we will give him. So um, let's look at this. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, neither, uh, you know, it says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Now, um, we know we have the authority of the believer. We know we have the ability in the name of Jesus to speak to these spirits, right? 
<clears throat> and, uh, and so forth, and, and we understand that. But I want you to know that you can speak to it, but still entertain his thoughts. And you still won't be exercising the full range of authority. Amen. You won't be able to ex fully express your authority. It's like you can't yield to him and resist him at the same time. You can't give place to him and say no to him at the same time. Saying it out loud in the name of Jesus, Satan, get behind me, is resisting him, but still taking his thought and thinking his thought after him is yielding to him. You understand? And so when it says neither give place to the devil, that includes in your thought life. Don't give him, don't let him put thoughts in your mind and entertain them. Well, how do I know which ones are of God, which thoughts are of God, which thoughts are of the enemy? Well, it's because it's through getting the mind renewed with the word of God. Uh, you'll know the thoughts of the enemy by, remember Philippians 4, whatever's true, whatever's lovely, what's ever just, whatever's pure and of good report and so forth and so on. Think on these things. Amen. 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 So, um, you know, these things, these things are not the figment of people's imagination. You know, so-and-so is sort of mentally oppressed or mentally tormented. You know, it's just a figment of their imagination. No, it's, real, it's really demon activity. And they need to address it biblically. You understand? I grew up with some of this stuff, and I know what it's like. In fact, it started trying to get on me. Remember, I've told you about many, many times. As a teenager, this thing started getting a hold of my mind. And, uh, but God's taught me much about this. And I would like to, uh, you know, make it a make it a part of the ministry God's given us, I believe God's made it a part of our ministry, to pass on this to other people. Because I've been oppressed and I've been free and free is much better. And I highly suggest it. Do whatever you take. Do whatever it takes to learn to not take thoughts from the enemy. Hallelujah. So um, you can avoid these things. You can, you can learn to answer them. You, you can't keep them from coming sometimes. You know, it's like, it's like uh, Brother Hagin said, you can't uh, keep the birds from flying over your head. But you can sure keep them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> right? Some of us, he's got more to work with than others. But... <laughs> But the, uh, that's, that's the way these thoughts are. You can't keep thoughts from coming. But you can certainly do the right thing when they come. Somebody said, well, I'm, they're just coming, they're just coming. Honey, they come to everybody. They come to everybody. But you and I, our responsibility is, is to learn to do the right thing whenever they come. You'll not be oppressed because they come. You'll be oppressed because you didn't do the right thing whenever they come. Amen. Now, let me focus in, and we're going to switch gears here a little bit. <clears throat> Go to Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12. I, I want to, uh, my goodness, I took a half hour on that. But uh, emphasize something that the Lord started emphasizing to me yesterday along this line. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number 6. Um, in order to establish this, I want to read some verses. So get your fingers ready. We're going to go through some verses. Look at this verse. This is, uh, you know, we talk about the armor of God from this passage of Scripture. 
verse 10, he said, be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. Not in yourself. In yourself, you give up. <laughs> but you can be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. We've, we've, we don't have time to teach on all that. We'd love to. But put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He is out there throwing these fiery darts, as we say. And, uh, but he said we can stand against them. Say it out loud. I can stand against them. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Boy, there's a revelation. It's not people that is your problem. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Now notice this. These are these beings without flesh and blood. These are these evil spirits. And he, he mentions them in a, in a rank kind of a format, just like in the kingdom of God there's rank. Not only in the angel kingdom, but in the, in, in the body of Christ. Um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you might be able to stand in the, uh, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about the truth on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, above all, above all. You ought to circle above all. He's got something real important right there after above all, taking the shield of faith. That's why we talk about faith so much. Taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Yeah, yeah. Amen. 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 Not the screaming of your, at the top of your voice. The shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And so and then he said, take the helmet of salvation. I believe he's still talking about above all here. Yeah. Yeah. Above all, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always and so forth and so on. Now, notice he said, above all, there's three. Above all, there's three. Number one, the shield of faith. Yes. What do you do with, those, with that shield? You quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Yes. And then he said, take the helmet of salvation. Yes. The helmet that goes on the head. Amen. He's talking about a renewed mind. That's mentioned throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, several places. So put on the renewed mind. You know, a renewed mind is protection from the enemy. Yes. That means an unrenewed mind is a, is a mind that is, is a, let's put it this way, an unrenewed mind exposes your whole life, actually, yeah. to the enemy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Then he said, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's what, he, what he's talking about there is what Jesus said, in, or what he did in Luke 4. He said, he answered and said to the enemy, it is written, the Word of God in your mouth spoken out of your mouth is the sword of the Spirit. You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You deal with thoughts with words. God's words. Your words don't have power in them. God's Word has power in it. The sword of the Spirit. That's the power of God. That's, that's the sword. I like to say it this way. The sword of the anointing. Amen. Those thoughts are coming from a spiritual being, and you need to deal with that spiritual being with something anointed. You say, I'm anointed. Yeah, but the Word of God is the sword. It's the sword that you take and you use against those thoughts. And you need a helmet on your mind, and he said you need the shield of faith. 
Oh, glory be to God. Now back up there, back up there. I was reading this one time. <clears throat> My goodness, I don't know how much of this I'm going to get out, but this one time I was reading this and I said, Lord, um, I said, the love walk is such a protection. Walking in love. Remember, the Bible said, keeping the commandment of the, the New Testament commandment. This is a new commandment I give unto you that you love your, your brother, love one another, as I gave you commandment. I said, it's such a protection. Why is it not listed in Ephesians 6, um, where he mentions the armor here? And, and the Lord reminded me, he said, first of all, over, and I believe it's first, I didn't look it up before I came, but it was, he said, I think it was 1 Thessalonians, he mentions the armor, and he says, taking the, the breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love. First of all, it is part of the armor. But he second, second of all, read Ephesians 6 again. And I read it through a few times, and I couldn't see it. He said, notice what it starts out. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He said, that's getting out of the love walk. Dealing with things in the flesh rather than dealing with them in the spirit. I thought, oh my goodness, I read that for all those years and never, anybody ever done that? You read a verse or passage for years and you looked right by it? But furthermore, he, he went further with me. He said, notice back there, and I want to take you through this like he took me through it. He said, notice back there in verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. And then notice this, the rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers of the darkness of this world. <clears throat> in other words, those that rule over those, these spirits rule over those who are yet in spiritual darkness. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of John's gospel, the first chapter, I believe it's the fifth verse there where it says, the light shined, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Satan can't overcome the light. Okay, you still with me? Now go over to the book of 1 John. You're going to have to hang with me a little bit this morning. It's a little different flow today, but we, we're going we're to establish something that will keep us protected from oppression. See what we're talking about? Protected from mental oppression. So notice he said here, this is in 1 John chapter number 2. I might not have told you the chapter. Chapter 2, verses uh, 10 and 11. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Is that true? There is none occasion of stumbling in him. <clears throat> he that hates his brother is in darkness. And walks in darkness, knows not whether he goes because that, uh, the darkness or that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Wow. So Satan can only rule. We read from Ephesians 6:12, he can only, these, these spirits can only rule over those who are in spiritual darkness. In other words, that's the only place they have any rights. They don't have rights in somebody's walking in the light. Yeah, they, yes, that, that closes the door to them. But he said back there in 1 John that walking in love is walking in the light. Isn't that right? And to walk in hate is walking in what? 
It's walking in what? It's walking in darkness. Say, say that out loud. Walking in hate is walking in darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, so if walking in hate is walking in darkness and spiritual, these, these forces of darkness can only rule over those who are in spiritual darkness. Then whenever we're not walking in love, Satan has ability to dominate us. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. So, um, Walking in light is walking, walking in love is walking in light and it's protection. Now come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We're just establishing something real good here. Yes, sir. 1 Thessalonians 5, he's talking about the last days, chapter number 5, verse number 1. But the time of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall so come as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with a child. He's talking about this day we're living in, this last days. From, and they shall not escape. Verse number four. But ye brethren, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Amen. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In other words, he's saying, you're not of the darkness, you're of the light, but you can be asleep. And things like Jesus' return and so forth, you're just not ready for it. All right? Therefore, let us not, verse number six, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Watch and be sober. That was an exhortation the Spirit gave us at the beginning. Watch and be sober. How do you do that? Well, here's one way you do it. Let them, that, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken, be drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the what? Breastplate of what? Faith and love. In other words, the love walk. The faith life. We know, we know that's, that's uh, uh, walking in faith is protection. But he mentions faith and love. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. <clears throat> Amen. I'm getting, I'm getting directed a little differently. Just let me flow with this. Amen. So this love walk is protection. Now remember what we said. We're talking about protection from the enemy, but we're talking particularly about the enemy uh, oppressing our minds. It's, pro- it's protection for all of our lives. Don't misunderstand me. The love walk's protection for all of our lives. Everything. It's a protection for your finances. It's protection for your health. <laughs> Amen. It's protection for your marriage. It'll keep your marriage from being destroyed. It's protection from harassing spirits. So um, this love walk is a big issue when it comes to being free from oppression. Now, walking in love is walking in the light. Back here to 1 John 2 now. It's walking in the light. So that means unforgiveness is walking in spiritual darkness. Somebody said, wait a minute, you said walking in love, and then you switched to unforgiveness. Okay, go to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. We're digging a little deeper this morning. Verse number 30. 
grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We could have started earlier, but for time I'm trying to save some time here. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That means criticizing others. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Well, why would you ever need to forgive somebody? Because <laughs> they might have done you wrong, that's why. Well, I'm just going to believe nobody's going to ever do me wrong. You've got no scriptures to stand on. Jesus, in fact, said the opposite. He said, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. You've got no, no scripture to stand on. I'm going to believe nobody offends me the rest of your life. That's misplaced faith. You're not responsible for abusing your faith for what they do to you. You're responsible for your response. You're responsible for your response. What are you going to do? Are you going to stew about it? Are you going to hold a grudge? Are you going to have ill will or animosity or unforgiveness or hold offense? Draw back, get out of fellowship? All of it is called getting out of the love walk. Be kind one another, tenderhearted. Notice, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven to you. Get forgiven you. Well, if they'll repent, I'll forgive them. Okay, live in that in, in that bondage until they repent, which they may never do. You don't have to wait for them to repent. Did God wait for you to repent before He put your sin on Jesus? Forgive one another, even as God has, for Christ's sake, forgiven you. Yeah. How did he forgive you even before you did it? Yes. <clears throat> so notice here, forgiving one another. Now notice chapter 5, verse 1, be ye therefore. Now you don't start, chapter, you don't start a new subject saying therefore. Yeah. Therefore, be ye therefore followers, that means imitators of God as dear children. Yeah. You know why your children do what they do? They're imitating you. <laughs> and walk in love. Walk in love. I thought he's talking about forgiveness. He was. Forgiving is walking in love. Holding a grudge is not walking in love. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved you and hath given himself for you and offering a sacrifice to God, which is a sweet smelling savor. Praise the Lord. So forgiveness is, or forgiving people, is walking in love. Well, people use Christian lingo, and they'll say things like, in order to kind of impress somebody, well, I've forgiven them, but I'll tell you something, I'll never forget what they did to me. You're a bald-faced liar. You didn't forgive them. You didn't forgive them. Well, praise the Lord, this is going over like a lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. This is one of the biggest, biggest open doors to oppression in the mind and one of the biggest reasons people are on medications in the United States today. That's, this is one of the biggest reasons. All this stuff's gotten built up on the inside of their spirit and they're, they, 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 they're irked at this and irked at that and just offended at this person, offended at that person, offended at this group and that group and this color and that color and 
Then they wonder why they're not experiencing the blessings of God. I'm talking about the church. Amen. This cause all this stuff, all this unforgiveness. Because of walking in darkness. See, that's walking in darkness. Amen. Darkness is Satan's realm. Amen. And these evil spirits are only able to rule where there's this darkness. They can't rule where somebody's walking in love. Forgiven. Amen. Amen. Well, I just, I, I mean, I'll forgive him, but I just can't, I just never will forget what that devil did to me. What that meaning he did it to me, I'm telling you, I'll just never forget it. You didn't forgive. You didn't forgive. Amen. Walking in love means you forgive them. Amen. So to walk in love is walking in the light. To walk in unforgiveness, strife, hatred, etc. towards your brother is called walking in darkness. Unforgiveness is not in line with the love walk. Amen. So um, every step outside of love, because the Bible said, John 15, John, is it 15? Verse number 34, John 16, whatever it is. John, it's one of those chapters. Jesus said, new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Is that chapter 15? A new commandment that you love. So this is the commandment of the New Testament. Walking in love. Bible said if we do walk in love, we'll fulfill all the Ten Commandments. Somebody said, we need to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, not if you're walking in love. If you walk in love, you won't break any of them. See, the Christian life is much higher than, I can't do this, I can't do that. Amen. So, but anyway, so uh, love forgives. And since it's a commandment, to not walk in love is sin, which is darkness, which is an open door to the devil. Jesus, uh, or actually 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 18, it says not to sin. And he said, he that he is begotten of God keepeth himself. The context there is not sinning. And he said, and the wicked one touches him not. Why? Because there's no darkness in him. Nothing in him belongs to Satan. Satan can't have, can't have ground where he's illegal. A lot of situations would just clear up without any more prayer if somebody get the unforgiveness out of their heart. Amen. So you can't walk in love by walking in your feelings. Well, I, I can't forgive them because I don't feel like forgiving them. Nobody feels, nobody feels good about anybody doing them wrong. But so if you're going to walk by your feelings, you're, you're trapped. You can't, you can't ever forgive. You can't ever walk in love. The Bible didn't say the love of God shed abroad in our feelings. Shed abroad in our hearts. But it is in there. He did furnish it. Uh, but he's not going to be the one that acts on it. You and I are going to be the one acting on it. Oh, we're just getting started this morning. <clears throat> Amen. So the flesh wants to hold grudges. The flesh wants to hold offenses. 
Amen. And it wants to it wants to stay in that realm of sin because it doesn't feel like forgiving people. Amen. But if you're dominated by your flesh or dominated by your emotion, emotions or fleshly feelings, uh, you're going to be walking in darkness. And this is why people don't have direction. He said he doesn't, the man that walks in darkness, he doesn't know where he's going. Seems like the blessings of God are compounding in other people's lives and in their lives, nothing's compounding. I don't know if you know what I mean by compounding. <laughs> So, um, praise the Lord. Now that it's getting real sweet in here and everybody's happy. Um, if a man's being dominated by his emotions and so forth, he's walking in a measure of darkness because the fleshly nature of unforgiveness is the sin nature, not the love nature of the new man. You can continue to embrace hurts and take offense, but there'll be no freedom for you. There'll be no freedom in your mind. The, the oppression will, will, will run free and roam free because Satan has the right to dominate those who are walking in darkness. Amen. The rulers of the darkness of this world can only rule over those who are in spiritual darkness. I'm going to say it again. You can embrace hurts and take offense, but there'll be no freedom for you. You can come into the prayer line. You can have somebody pray with you. You can have somebody exercise authority over the devil. He'll come right back because he's got an, he's got, because you've given him consent through walking in darkness. Amen. Hallelujah, Pastor Jay. This is good preaching. Listen, people are human. They're going to miss it. Isn't that right? But don't you stumble because they stumbled. That'd be dumb. People are saying, we're going over here to the cliff and we're all going to jump off and commit suicide. Okay, if you're doing it, I guess I'll do it too. No, you don't have to do something because somebody else is doing it. Amen. Just because somebody else is walking in darkness, don't you walk in darkness. Praise the Lord. So um, I want to go on and grow in God. Brother Hagin said one time to his son, Brother Ken, uh, Pastor Kenneth Hagin Jr., he said, uh, every time you're tempted to take offense, ask yourself, is this where I want to get stuck spiritually where I am right now? Well, that makes you think about it a little differently. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to keep going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You have to learn to forgive, forget it, and let go of it. Let go of your past. Amen. Otherwise, you're going to be a spiritual cripple, a spiritual midget. <laughs> I don't mean to be so blunt, but you're just going to be, you're going to be oppressed. There's going to be things that you're just never, ever quite free from. Amen. So putting this all together, what do we see? We see that walking in the flesh, the nature of unforgiveness, opens the door to the devil to have rule over us one way or another, and we see it, uh, uh, Satan is able to rule over those who are ruling over, whose emotions are ruling over them, and they'll have m mental problems. So I want to be free from this oppression stuff, don't you? Now, King Saul is an example of this. 
You can read this in 1 Samuel 16. We're out of time this morning, but 13 through 15, you'll see an evil spirit came to him. He was very oppressed, even to the point he's trying to kill people. He's throwing swords at people that are innocent, trying to kill them. Uh, and how many of you know oppressed people do some crazy stuff sometimes? And uh, the Bible says that he was, if you read that, uh, read chapter after chapter after that there in First, uh, First Samuel chapter number, 13, uh, chapter number 16, you find uh, Saul, King Saul, chasing David, uh, trying to kill him. And uh, chapter after chapter of him being offended and jealous and all tore up on the inside about some kid. <laughs> and so, uh, even to the point he's trying to kill him. But I wanted you to see, by, you can read this whole chapter later and everything after it. You can see that the more Saul yielded to that jealousy and that unforgiveness, which David had done him no wrong. Amen. All the, all the, David only was chosen of God to replace Saul because Saul had disobeyed God and so forth. But anyway, all that, he's still holding unforgiveness against him, against him, against him. And, um, and uh, you can find that the more he yielded to that, the more oppressed he became in his mind. And so that's something that you and I need to be aware of. Just be aware, taking offense in the spirit realm, the devil sees it like this. He sees it like you putting up a big sign that says vacancy. And he, he, he sees that and goes, ah, oh, there's some place I can get in. Yeah. That's what that is in the spirit realm. I've seen it over and over again. I've seen it in ministers' lives. I've seen it in, in, in uh, the people that just, that just, they say, I can't let go. First of all, that's a lie. They can, they just won't. Because the flesh doesn't want to. They want to live in the flesh rather than walk in the spirit. Amen. Nobody who has the love of God shed abroad in their heart can't. That's the truth. God has furnished us the equipment to do this. Praise the Lord. Now to wrap this up, go over with me to the book of Matthew. I think this is very telling here in the 18th chapter of Matthew. Um, I guess maybe we won't even read it. Maybe just refer to it. Maybe that'd just be easier. But in this passage in Matthew... We find that Jesus is teaching on forgiveness, and he gives this parable or story about, because Peter asked, how many times should I forgive? Remember that? Yeah. Peter thought he was doing great. Seven yeah. times would be great. Yeah. Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And he's basically yeah. saying, I don't believe he's saying that 491, yeah. go after it. <laughs> I believe he's saying, just keep on forgiving. Just keep on forgiving. Yeah. But then he tells this little story about the king that had uh, <clears throat> forgiven this man a debt. And then a man, the man that was forgiven of the debt turns around and finds a man that owed him money and yeah. takes him by the throat and says, pay me what you owe me. And he said, you know, have mercy on me. I'll get it to you, so forth. And he said, no. And he threw him to the, to the uh, you know, basically slave labor, we would say today, yeah. to make him work it off and so forth. And somebody went and told the king that the guy had done that. And he called him back in there. Yeah. He said, you know, I believe the king had a long finger that day. You. <laughs> he said, I forgave you all that debt. How many of you know the, the, 
the parable is God is the king who forgave us, and we are to forgive one another. The debt we owed was great. The, debt we, the, the, the violations against God were great, and people violating against us is small compared to our violation of God. And so he's telling that story, and uh, the man said, uh, you know, the king called him in and said, okay, because you did this, he said, I'm going to restore all that debt back to you and turn you over to the tormentors. In other words, those are the people that are whipping him until he pays, until he works it off. And he really, that was the debt apparently from the story, couldn't even pay it off anyway. He's going to be a slave the rest of his life, getting whipped. You understand? So notice he, he mentions that term, the tormentors. That's very, I believe, very revealing of what it's like to hold unforgiveness. You're going to be oppressed and tormented in your mind. It opens the door to the enemy. People say, I need deliverance. I need deliverance. How about you turn from the unforgiveness? Come on, somebody say amen. In other words, just stop it. I just have such, I'm so mad, I'm so mad. Uh, you're living in the flesh. The flesh wants to hold the grudge. The flesh wants to, it loves the feelings of unforgiveness. It loves the feeling, I'm going I'm to get them back. I'm going to get even. I'm going I'm to hold this against them and really hurt them uh, while you're hurting yourself, you know. <laughs> just, it's, just, it's just twisted thinking and it's bondage. And it's not something you need the devil cast out. It's something you need to let go of. Release it. Release it. Let it go. Let it go. What, how do I do that? By faith. I make the choice right now. They owe me nothing. I forgive them. I release them. I say they owe me nothing. In fact, I release them. They don't even owe me an apology. Well, they need to come here and apologize. Well, are you going to wait till then to forgive them? Right. What if they never do? You're just going to walk in bondage the rest of your life. This is a big deal. Tell your neighbor it's a big deal. <clears throat> must tell your other neighbor he must be talking to somebody behind us. <laughs> Thank God for the word. Amen, amen, amen. Not only that, he said in 1 John that he that walks in hatred is walking in darkness and he knows not where he's going. That's a key statement. Key statement. He knows not where he's going. In other words, walking in unforgiveness has a blinding and a dulling effect on your spirit. And now you're open to confusion. You're open to deception. This is how people get, get into this stuff. And then they do things they don't even realize the choices they're making are destroying their lives. Am I preaching to the right crowd? I'm convinced Christians are having more trouble with the flesh than they are with the devil. The devil gets in through the flesh. You know, he doesn't have the power to just steamroll over your life. That's good preaching, Pastor Jay. Okay, thank you. He doesn't have the power. He's been stripped of his authority. But if he can get us to take one of his thoughts, or he can get us to yield to the flesh, then he's got an open door into our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Unforgiveness is the fleshly nature. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You, don't, you can't go by feelings. <laughs> Amen. Not if you're going to let the love of God dominate you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have the ability to do this. And, and, and listen, once you do it, you don't keep bringing it up anymore. You're going to say, well, I just, okay, I forgive them. But you keep talking about it, keep talking about it, keep talking. No, you haven't forgiven them. We use Christian lingo, you know, I forgave them. But, you know, I just want to tell you, remember what happened? They did this to me and they did this to me. Just, just go play your spiritual game somewhere else. Hey, man, that's just, that's just shucking and jiving. That's, you're not real. You're not for real. Like the teenagers used to say, maybe I don't even know what it means today. Get real. My generation, we knew what that meant. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like, I like. I like to be honest to myself. I like to tell myself the truth. And whenever the devil says, you know, you need to hold that against them, I like to say, I will not. I choose not to. And I will not walk. I'm not going to open the door to the devil. Amen. You can be so free from it that you even enjoy that person's fellowship. Well, I could never enjoy their fellowship. Why not? Now, they might not want to hang around. Don't misunderstand me. But <laughs> I hit a wall there, didn't I? <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand to your feet with me. I think it'd be a good place to quit. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Another little thing from that passage in Matthew 18. Uh, when the king called that man back in to restore the debt. Remember what he said? He said, you wicked servant. What had he done? Had he murdered somebody? No, he just held unforgiveness. We, we categorize sins. Yeah. You know, murder. I mean, if somebody murder, I don't know if you know, we let them in the church. I mean, they get saved maybe, but I don't know if we can let them in the church. We categorize things. And, but this man, he called him, because he was in unforgiveness, he said, you wicked, wicked. We no use talking about which one's worse than the other. James says if we break one commandment, we've broken all of it. So we're guilty of everything. And. <laughs> well, how can I be more wicked by murdering somebody than somebody holding unforgiveness? If I'm guilty of everything in the, in the book, then I'm guilty of murder by unforgiveness. I'm guilty of everything. I think we ought to just re-examine the way we look at some of this. Thank God we can be free. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to be free for the rest of my life in this area right here. Hallelujah. Just know. How many of you know when the devil's working on you in this area? Some of you need to confess that, yes, he, we, we know when he's working. Rather than saying, uh, I don't think he's working on me. Well, why is your face all different than it used to be? Why do you stand off to the side when everybody else is enjoying fellowship? Come on now. We can see when you change. 
<laughs> Amen. My wife knows when I change. Isn't that right? Yeah. She knows I clammed up. She knew I took an offense. She, knew, she can tell. I'm not the same. I'm not enjoying the fellowship like I was. Right? So we can all see it in church too. You ought to try preaching sometime. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say that out loud. I'm getting over this right now. I'm getting over it right now. Right now. Right now. I'm making a choice. No, no, no. Letting it go. Letting it go. Letting it go. Somebody needed this this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.